You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. All right. Well, let's get down to the message this morning. Now, as a way of introduction, I want to remind you all of last week's message. Um, the, The content was great about the peace of Christ. But right now, I want to remind you that, that Greg, uh, he preached a nine-point sermon. Nine points. So as I was thinking about that, that, can, that for me, I, this sermon can go one of two ways. All right? So that could have opened the floodgates, and I'm going to like delve right into like a good 20-point sermon. And as Bill said, I'm going to be here for an hour, or you're going to be here for an hour. Or, or if I want to be compassionate, I can go extra short to make up for last week. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that perhaps it's, it's going to be a little bit shorter, but kind of just average. So I think it's going to be a good one, though, this morning. So, and in all honesty, thank you, Greg. That last week's sermon was was top-notch. I think we can all agree on that. It was awesome to be reminded of the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. And so, I want to, I'm, this morning, I get to preach about Colossians 3, verse 16. And before we get to that specific verse, I wanted to, uh, to read the paragraph, that, 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 uh, the verse that surrounds that verse. And so, Colossians 3, Verses 12 to 17. I want to read that all out. And so if you have your Bibles or smartphones, you can turn there with me. I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And it should be also up on the screen. But this is what the the Word of God says. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. So to take a step back and to get a slightly bigger view of these verses before we get into verse 16, I wanted to just to make a, a few thoughts uh, that, that come jump out at me when I read these verses. And, and the first thought about this is that it's, it's pretty, according to these verses, it's actually impossible to live a normal Christian life if you're trying to do it by yourself, we need each other, we need us to be together to properly live out the normal Christian life. 
For example, how can we bear with one another? How can we forgive one another if we are not doing life together? (laughs) If we are not giving other people an opportunity to annoy us? We can't forgive them if someone else is not annoying us. How can we be called to be one body if we are not together? In 1 Corinthians 12, you might remember we've talked about this recently when we went through Corinthians. But Paul writes that we are one body, but many parts. A body needs to be together, right, in order to function and to live well. You know, the the parts of the body can't separate and expect the body to thrive and to survive. We need to live together. We need to do life together. How can we teach and admonish one another if we live solitary lives, if we don't stick together. And so I think as we read and as we ponder these verses, it's important to realize that Paul is, is writing, yes, to a group of people, a group of people that, of the church in a city called Colossae. And so he's writing to them as a community, and so we need to accept these words as a community. So, we're all together in this. We're all on the same team. We all need to do life together in order to properly live out these verses. A second thought about these verses is that they build upon one another. And I know the last few weeks we've been going through them verse by verse, which is good because there's lots there. And there's lots to be said about each and every verse. Paul packs a lot into a, into a small amount of, of words. Sometimes he has run-on sentences, so he uses lots of words. He packs a lot into there. But these verses all build upon one another. It's not like we can just pick and choose verses and that's the only thing that we take from it. We need to to examine them in the bigger context. For example, again, we can put on the clothes that God gives us. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. We can put on uh, the compassion and the kindness for other people. We can, we can live with humility and meekness in our manner. And we can be patient with other people. We can put on those nice clothes that Christ provides for us. But if we don't let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts... And if we don't allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly, well, what do we become? Well, we become like a sarcophagus, right? That they, you know, dig up in Egypt. It's very nice, ornate, you know, decorations on the outside, but it's a corpse on the inside. It's a dead person on the inside. And Jesus actually, you know, he he talks about this. He calls out the religious leaders in Matthew 23 And he calls the scribes and the Pharisees, well, he calls them hypocrites, but he also calls them whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of bones of of the dead and all kinds of filth. So you also, on the outside, look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow. It's a strong reminder. Our our moral living is is only skin deep if we just clothe ourselves with these nice clothes, but that change doesn't go any deeper. Last week's Greg uh, talked about peace, that peace that went deep within us. And, and he said, 
when we are not living in peace, we are outside of God's calling. And I love that. So we need that peace of Christ to rule. To take it a step further about how these verses all work together, if we have the word of Christ in us, and if we have all the knowledge and the answers about the word of Christ, but we don't have the peace of Christ in us as well, where that peace of Christ isn't ruling in us in, in the way we act towards other people, what do we become? We become arrogant. We become rude. We become know-it-alls who only care about making sure other people stay in line. And so to put everything together, though, to put all of these things together, to clothe ourselves properly, to let the peace of Christ rule in us, and to let the word of Christ dwell in us, will result in both individuals as well as a community living the way that God wants us to live. So with that in mind, let's, let's go into verse 16 this morning, just for a few minutes. And in verse 16, again, let the, this is what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. So a couple points here that I want to I want to explain and hopefully we can we can get something from it. Firstly, what is the word of Christ? What is the word of Christ? And at first glance, as I first started looking at this and studying it in a couple of weeks ago, um, I think it, it's easy to, to think, well, that maybe just means, you know, the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is what we would, uh, a term that we would use to describe the Bible. And I think if we go that route, it's, it, we don't end up in a bad spot, right? It, it's good to let the Bible, the whole of the Bible, dwell in us richly. You know, letting that be our constant guide. But I do believe that, that Paul means something a slightly different than that. Because Paul uses the word scriptures in other parts of his writings, in other parts of his letters, to describe, well, what he would um, call is what we would call the Old Testament. That was what he called the scriptures. Because there was no New Testament at his point in time, all right? He was in the midst of writing it. He didn't even know that it was going to become called what we would call the New Testament, but the Old Testament, what he would call the scriptures, is, is what he referred to as the scriptures. And that's not something bad. He had nothing against, you know, having the scriptures in us. All right? He, he reminds Timothy in his second letter to Timothy that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So there's nothing wrong with the scriptures. All right? And Paul probably knew the scriptures better than any of us. But, what most scholars would say that the word of Christ is, is more accurately the, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. All right, the good news that, that Jesus brought us when he lived on earth, and, you know, he lived out in front of the people of earth, as well as his, you know, his death and his resurrection. The word of Christ was something that, that um, was was relatively new, right? Because Jesus had, had, had died and he was resurrected and he ascended into heaven uh, not too many years before 
Paul was actively, you know, evangelizing the known world. And this gospel that Paul was constantly proclaiming to the people that he met in his travels, you know, it could be perhaps summed up as he said in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, when Paul writes, for, I'm de- for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right, so when, when Paul went to Cor- Corinth and started to tell people about Jesus, that was the message that he brought to them. Jesus Christ, him crucified. In other words, that was the main gospel message. That was the word of Christ that was brought to the people of Corinth. And you can imagine that all of the rest of the apostles, the disciples, as after Jesus went up into heaven, the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and empowered them, and, and, and they were like, well, we need to share this message. And so the the message of Jesus, the word of Christ, went out from Jerusalem into the known world. And just for a second, can you imagine what it would be like to hear, I don't know, just the, the, the story of Jesus, say, feeding the 5,000 people firsthand from someone who was actually there? <laughs> and that kind of just makes me think, when was the last time we, you know, perhaps we read a gospel story one of the, you know, the passages found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When was the last time we actually sat down and just read it in just in awe of, of what, who Jesus was and what he was doing? That's incredible, hey? <laughs> I, I, ch- I challenge you, you know, to, to set aside all your, your preconceived notions, all the, the, the book learning perhaps that you have, and just and read the gospel for, for the story that it is. Man, that'd be incredible to hear that firsthand. So we pray for that. Another example of, of this, this word of Christ was Peter. He wrote in his, in his first letter to the, to the believers, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That is the word of Christ. Some churches have phrased it this way, and I think it, I love that just like a very short, sweet summation of, of this, of, of the word of Christ. And, and some churches say, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. That's the word of Christ. The word of Christ is the message and life of Jesus. And so that's what Paul is asking for us and for the church in Colossae to dwell in us richly. All right, if you were to read through the the Sermon on the Mount, for example, you would see that Jesus, he takes the scriptures, the Old Testament, and he interprets them. And because Jesus is God, his interpretation is correct, all right? <laughs> we can be assured of that. And so Jesus takes the scriptures and he, and he, and he makes them into, into what, the, I think, what, what God intended them to be and how we should live them out. That's the word of Christ. And so read the Sermon on the Mount and you'll get an idea of what Jesus' message was and then combine that with the, with the truth of his death and his resurrection, 
And you will have the word of Christ that Paul is talking about. Secondly, this word of Christ, it says it, it, that it needs to dwell in us richly. So what does that mean? What does it mean to dwell in us richly? It, needs to, it, need, it means to, to live in us, right? So I, w- I want you to think back to the, I don't know, maybe the, the first time that you visited a friend. You, the first time, the very first time you went to someone's house uh, that was not your own. You know, you're, you, you enter the house and you're, you know, maybe extra polite because, you know, this is a new house, a new setting. And, uh, you know, usually speaking, we, we tend to be like, oh, come on, sit down in the living room. And so we sit down on the couch because, you know, that's kind of the socially accepted way of, of being introduced to a new house. You know, usually, probably, hopefully, that person does not invite you into the ensuite bathroom the first thing that they show you. All right, that's just kind of weird, you know. You know, you don't, and immediately when you walk in to a house, the first thing that you do is not going to be rummaging through their cupboards to find their expired cream of tartar. Because who, I don't know, who, who uses cream of tartar? I don't know. I don't even know what it's for. But well, I know we have some. It's sitting in the back middle shelf right there. But I have no idea what we use it for. But you don't dwell in the house the first time you visit it, right? You don't, you don't know your way around. You don't have the, the permission, I would say, to, to rummage around in cupboards or to go into their fridge and, and just to, you know, to find the old Tupperwares that are sitting in the back full of moldy food. You don't have that ability yet because you don't dwell there. You're a visitor. You're a guest, but after a time, you know, if you continue in, in a relationship with someone and you end up, you know, being at their house a lot, you get to be more comfortable, right? And, and maybe eventually you will be able, they will just be like, oh yeah, go help yourself. Or, you know, um, yeah, go, go use the bathroom because why are you just sitting on the couch? You know, be, be comfortable, be at home, be, be dwell here. And that's what that word means, dwell in us, is just to be comfortable, to, to, to live with that person. And perhaps, you know, eventually, you, you know, if, if you were to live with someone else, you, yes, you would dwell in that house richly, right? You would shower there, you would, uh, you would help clean, um, clean up, you would help do the dishes, you would help do the cooking. And so you'd grow familiar with everything that happens in that house. And that's, that's what this means, is, is the word of Christ dwells in us richly. It isn't just a guest. It isn't just a visitor that comes every once in a while and, and uh, you know, makes snide comments about the dust or anything like that. <laughs> but it's comfortable in us. The Word of Christ becomes comfortable in us. And not just comfortable in a way that, that um, you know, it, it's kind of a servant of of the owners of the house, but it becomes comfortable enough that the word of Christ actually becomes the master of the house, and it dictates the, the culture of that house, all right? It becomes familiar with all the rooms, all the storage, all the, all the things that are found in that house, 
And it starts to make suggestions, and it starts to, to, to live out itself so that the, the house is changed in accordance to the Word of God, to the Word of Christ. In some ways, it's, it's kind of similar to what Greg talked about last week, the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. And if you remember, he, uh, Greg said that the word rule in our hearts, the, the word rule is, is a, has this idea of the, of the umpire making the final call, all right? You know, the, the umpire is the one who chooses if it's a, a ball or a strike in baseball. No one else has that power. He has the final say. And so the peace of Christ has the final say. And in the same way, the word of Christ, when it starts to dwell richly in us, has the final say. It changes the culture of what's going on. And for me, the last couple of weeks, it's been interesting um, as an example of how, how this works is as I've been pondering this, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm back at a welding shop, and so I'm welding all day. And, um, you know, when, you're, when you have your welding mask down, uh, I, I tend to just to pray because my mind doesn't need to be there. I know what I'm doing with my hands. And so I can, you know, I let my mind wander. And like probably most of us, my mind wanders sometimes to, to things. I'm like, wow, how did I get here? I'm like, this is, no, I shouldn't be here. You know, we, our mind wanders, right? That's kind of a natural thing. You know, our, our subconscious or our, our, you know, our thoughts just kind of lead on, lead on to, to ways that we're not really, we weren't thinking about, but we, were, we find ourselves there. And what happens is that sometimes I'm, I'm like, wow, I definitely don't need to be here in my thoughts right now. And so even the simple act of of, of repeating the verse that I was, you know, I've been preaching on, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And just even that, you know, uh, for me to, to say that out loud, even to whisper it, or, you know, it, it brought my mind back to where it needed to be. And, it, and it, it brought everything back under control. And it, just a simple aspect, simple idea of, of having Scripture, having the Word of Christ in our minds so that we can recall it instantly to bring ourselves back under the mastery of the Word of God, under the Word of Christ, is an amazing thing. And so, you know, when, when we think about that, how do we let the Word of Christ dwell richly in us? Well, I would say that, as I have kind of hinted at, it needs to become more than a visitor, we need to put the word of Christ in us more than just once in a while. It needs to be something that is constantly there. And so if that means, uh, you know, I know that there, there's lots of, of Bible apps that you can get on your phone that, uh, that ping a reminder, you know, uh, the verse of the day or something like that. That's a great idea because it's a, this, this thing that just reminds us, that brings the word to our, our minds, into our hearts. Uh, something that, that works for me very well is, you know, um, buy some index cards. And if you come across a verse that just like, wow, that's, that's a good one, write it out. I find the act of writing things helps me to commit it to memory or to help me to remember it. And then, you know, you can take that index card, you know, put it on the dash of your car so that when you're at a red light, you can look over and be like, oh, yeah, that verse, that was a good one. Or, you know, put it on your bathroom mirror. Or just simply, 
you know, take time every day to read the Bible. You know, if you are in youth, you know that I tell people, tell you, read your Bible all the time, right? That's what I do because that's what's important. And I think that goes for all of us adults as well. We need to be reminded, read your Bible because that is the Word of God. And, and in this case, maybe specifically, read the Gospels, read the Word of Christ so that we know Christ and we let Him dwell in us richly. So when we do this, when we allow the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly, what happens? I want to, show, I want to share with you the, the two results that we can find right in verse 16 there. And the first result is that we will be able to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And that's an interesting thing. We all know what teaching is, right? Because, you know, we're, we're, we're well aware of, of, of the amazing job that teachers do. We, are, we know what teaching is. But what does admonishing mean? That's not a word that we use very often. And, and I think that one of the, um, a best, the best way I can maybe describe it is, is correcting gently. Or, uh, you know, course correction to someone. All right? It's not angrily, you know, smacking someone in the face and saying, don't do that. Although maybe sometimes we need that. But admonishing is, is gently correcting. Coming alongside someone that you know and that you have a relationship with and just saying, hey, have you thought about this? You know, I was noticing something about whatever. Maybe you should try doing it this way. And then walking with them as they make that course correction. So teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's, the, that's, the, that's a result of letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, is that we will be able to do that. And I find it interesting that, that Paul says um, to do this to one another. All right? Um, in, in Romans 15, 14, he says this, and I, I find it very interesting as well. I feel... I myself feel confident about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. And so Paul, in his absence, felt that it, it was good and it was something that the church in Rome could do, that they could instruct one another. All right? It wasn't just something that Paul or another church leader had to do. It wasn't something that, that Greg or Blair or I or one of the elders have to do here, but we can teach and admonish one another. We can live out our, Christian, our normal Christian life by helping one another. Wow, amazing. Look at that. We can help one another. But that's incredible, right? We can do this for one another. We don't have to wait, and we don't have to, we don't have to wait for, so, for a leader to come and do this for us. But instead that we can, we can do this for one another. But here the, here's the key. Again, if we have the word of Christ dwelling in us, but we don't have the peace of Christ ruling in us, it's going to be hard to do the, the teaching and admonishing in all wisdom. Right? So we need, we, we, as I've said, we need all that together so that we can correct gently <laughs> and not rebuke harshly. So it's something that we can do together because we are all parts of the body of Christ. We are all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
we can all use the wisdom that comes with the word of Christ dwelling in us to help each other, to teach one another, to admonish one another. The second result of the word of Christ dwelling in us richly is that we have gratitude in our hearts as we worship God. This verse specifically mentions singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And, and most of the commentaries I was reading uh, really stress the point that we should not put too much emphasis on breaking all the songs that we have into the three categories. All right? Um, you know, perhaps Paul had a, had a distinctive, um, you know, song in mind, but for us as a church today, I believe that, that, we, that all of the songs that we sing should be done, well, as worship to God, and it should be done with gratitude in our hearts. I think it's, it's fairly obvious, though, you know, the word psalms, that probably referred to the 150 psalms that we find in our Bible, because that was, that was the songbook of the of the, of the Israelite people, the Jewish people, as well as probably, you know, there's obviously lots of songs in there that we sing even today, right now in, the, in our church. And I absolutely love that when we are singing the words of Scripture, you know. Because for me personally, I'm not sure about you, but it's easier for me to remember things if they're set to music, all right? Which can either go one of two ways, right? It can be either good things that we're learning theology, proper theology, or it can be, you know, like a McDonald's jingle from 10 years ago. Why do I still remember that? I don't know, because it was set to music. But here's the point, is that the songs that we sing are there for a reason, all right? And, and, and I think it, it goes, you know, we, we care about our church community here, and so we care about the songs that we sing. And we care about because those are the, the, that is one way that we as a community are learning about God. That we are, we are praising God and worshiping God, but we also learn theology through what we sing. And so the songs that we sing are very important. And we don't just choose any old song to sing because it mentions Jesus or God or whatever. But we, the, the worship leaders take their time and they pray about it and they, and they sing the songs that, that they want us as a church body to learn about God through. And so the natural result of having the word of Christ dwell in us richly is that we will worship God because of it. So when the word of Christ has mastery over us, it will bring us to worshiping God. And I, I want to bring up the word gratitude that is mentioned in this verse. And it's interesting, I found it very interesting, that, the, that this word gratitude is the, is the same word that, that usually is translated grace. All right, it's the Greek word that's usually translated as the word grace. All right, and as, in fact, in the King James Version, it, was, it, would, it says, with grace in your hearts, sing praises to God. All right, and so one of the definitions of that Greek word, which I believe is charis, is this. And I thought this was, in, this was incredible. The spirit, this is one of the definitions of the word that is translated here into gratitude. The spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace. That's what we should have in our hearts. 
as we sing songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. The spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace. The condition that we should find ourselves in after we have clothed ourselves in God's wardrobe and let the peace of Christ rule in us and let the peace of Christ dwell in us is one that is governed, controlled by the power of divine grace. And in that condition, we give thanks to God for all that he has done. We worship the Lord for his great love and for the divine grace that we have received. <laughs>